Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Good morning. Our scripture reading is from Exodus 40, 24 through 38. It's page 77 in your pew Bible. He put the lampstand in the tent of the meeting, opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle, and set up the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the curtain and offered fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He also put in place the screen for the entrance of the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set up the court around the tabernacle and the altar and put up the screen at the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the Israelites would set out on each stage of their journey. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night before the eyes of all the house of Israel at each stage of their journey. Well, we've made it finally. We're at episode 10, the last part of this journey through Exodus. This is the last of this series, please do not say thanks be to God. That is not the appropriate time. For the last 10 weeks, we've been getting to this 40th and final chapter. If you read ahead, don't spoil it for any of the others. But I will say this, today's story is for anyone who has wondered why God sometimes seems so absent. There has been in this Exodus journey we've been on since way back in chapter 13 a pervasive symbol of God's presence, cloud and fire. God's presence symbolized by cloud during the day, fire at night, and in today's story the cloud and fire have a starring role. Throughout Exodus 
as we just read, when the cloud emerges, the cloud drifts along the Egyptian countryside, and the Hebrew people would follow the cloud. It not only as an ancient GPS, but as a visual reminder that the, their destiny is being led by God's leadership. At, at night, clouds aren't visible, so there is this pillar of fire, still this constant presence of God in leading. But the thing about a constant miracle is that it stops feeling like a miracle after a while. All right, let's get caught up on the story. We left off in chapter 32, so we've got some ground to cover. Week 10, final installment, but we began way back 10 weeks ago with the birth of Moses, hid away in the reeds of the Nile. We've traveled through Moses' call story, story after story of God's fidelity and deliverance. This covenant God who promises and protects and provides and saves. But then as we saw, the covenant has obligations on both sides. Moses speaks to God on Mount Sinai, writes on stone tablets, Ten Commandments about how we are to live in our relationship to the Holy One and in our relationship to one another. And we've learned that God never breaks covenant. We've also learned that our side has not always gone quite as well. The Israelites grumble and fail and fuss and form idols and complain some more. All the while, God continues to be present and constant and sure and faithful. And then last week's story, the Israelites betray the covenant again, this time forming a golden calf to worship, turning their backs on God who has delivered them time and time and time again. And God, at the end of that story, forgives and restores again. But before the travel narrative starts back, Moses goes back up this mountain one more time. Anybody want to guess how long he stays this time? If you were awake last Sunday, then you know he stayed 40 days and 40 nights because that means he was just up there a long time. When he's up there this time, the covenant is restored again. So now, we are in this week's section of Scripture, which as you heard is part of this long, long explanation of the building of the temples, sometimes called the Tent of Meeting. The tabernacle, or the tabernacle, not the temple, the tabernacle will house the Ark of the Covenant, and it will also accompany the Israelites for the rest of this wilderness journey. So, here's a reasonable question. I see that hand. If God's presence is symbolized by cloud and fire, why do we need to symbolize God's presence by building and toting a movable tabernacle all over the wilderness? Okay, if you insist, I'll take your question. The theologians talk of, God, of two of God's qualities being eminence and transcendence. And some contend 
that these different symbols represent these two different attributes of God. Let me explain. Eminence speaks of God's entering creation, working and acting in the world, God's finger in the pie. Eminence is, is God's nearness, God's felt presence, God's attending spirit. And so we sing in here, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me, He talks with me along life's narrow way. Okay? But transcendence speaks to God's matchless greatness, God's otherness, God's unknowable glory, God's deep mystery. And so we sing immortal, invisible, God only wise. And both are true. And both are true at the same time. God is with us and God is holy other. And it might oversimplify a bit, but cloud and fire Visible every day, reminders of God's eminence, God's activity, God's leading, God's with us. But to get to the portable tabernacle, you've got to go a ways out of camp. The, the tabernacle isn't set up somewhere over here near the ping pong table. You've got to go out. You've got to go out to a holy place. You've got to lay your life up next to the great mystery of God's glory. So, cloud and fire, eminence, God with us, tabernacle away beyond transcendence. All right, anyway, beginning in chapter 35, the building of this tabernacle commences. And Moses commands, all who are skillful among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent, and its covering, its clasp, and its frame, with its poles, the mercy seat, and the poles, and its utensils. This goes on for about three chapters of this. Curtains, they were made of fine twisted linen, and blue, purple, and crimson yards. The length of each curtain has 28 cubits. You get the picture we got chapter after chapter of this. Which is why we can move in our story so quickly from chapter 32 last week to this final chapter, chapter 40. Because it's just chapter after chapter of instructions. And then after the tabernacle instructions and details are over, we get the same about the priestly vestments. You want about four chapters of that? He also made the robe of the ephod, worn of all blue yarn, and the opening of the robe in the middle of it was light. This does not make for spellbinding preaching, obviously. But here we have five chapters of Holy Scripture, more words than in some of the New Testament books, five chapters about the deliberate preparation for holy things. The Bible includes careful instructions about preparing 
for the God encounter. Well, this set my Lenten mind to wondering. Here we are, I mean, about halfway into Lent. And so I asked myself, besides my professional preparation, how much time do I spend preparing for holy things? God is still imminent, near, which means that God is still alive somewhere in every conversation, in each sunrise, in every grasp of a toddler. God is ever-present like the cloud and the fire, but I can get dulled to that present God right in front of me, whispering and winking. And God is transcendent. The great mystery, the great I am, the name above every name. And, And like the tabernacle of old, we've constructed here this great grand space designated for worship, a place where we can take in the grandeur of God's glory. And I wondered how many times I've walked into this place as casually as I've stepped into a sports bar. Have I prepared for holy things? Have you ever considered how worship might be different if you spent all of Sunday morning or some part of every day in the week anticipating, preparing, to kind of figuratively take our shoes off when we walk into this sacred space and come with a sense of hush and expectation? Did you catch what happened in the, in the reading this morning, after all of those chapters of extensive preparation, the Scripture ended with this scene of Moses entering the tabernacle after all of the preparation had taken place. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Perhaps there is some relationship between our careful preparation to enter the tabernacle and God's felt presence. But I also considered and did kind of an inventory about how aware I am, how prepared I am to receive God in the ordinary, in the day-to-day, wondering, has the cloud and the fire just become such common miracles that they're missed? So, here's what I did. I decided I was going to just review one day of the week. I'm, doing, I'm sitting at my desk on Wednesday morning, so I decided I'm going to review yesterday, Tuesday, and, and see if I saw any places where the holy was breaking through on Tuesday. Well, it was a normal work day, I suppose, as much as any of mine is normal. It was long. 
I went to the gym at 6.30. I call it a morning workout. You would not call it a morning workout. I know that, but I call it a morning workout. That's the way it's in my calendar. That's where we're going to go with it, okay? I got to the office about 8 o'clock. I pounded out an email or two. I prepped for a 9.30 staff meeting and reviewed a sermon. 9.30, went to staff meeting, but I had to hand the leadership over to John at 9.50 because I had to go downstairs to the Day One Studios and preach a sermon that will be aired six weeks after Easter. 11.20, I went straight from that recording to the car and went to pick up a church member friend for a long and delightful lunch. After I dropped her off, I went to the dermatologist's office for her to look at my face after her last torture experiment. And I used to like this woman. I really did. And then I got back to the office about 2 o'clock. I spent the rest of the afternoon answering emails and preparing to give leadership to a 6 o'clock committee meeting. Got the chart paper, the colored sticker dots, the agenda type, the Cokes on rice, all of that. Ate a chicken salad sandwich at my desk at 5.30, led the meeting at 6, headed home a little after 8. If you are still awake then you know there was nothing to commend my day. And did I see the holy breaking through? No, not really. But I had not prepared to either. I wondered how my day might have been different if I had noticed the cloud. What if I had been aware of God's eminence and leading? A staff meeting with colleagues who laugh and work hard and energize the room with creativity and delight might have felt like something sacred. Lunch with a church member that included laughter and apologies and tender stories and heaps of holiness if only I had noticed the cloud. If only I had noticed God was there, nearby. A night meeting where the air nearly tingled as ideas were forming, but I was tired. How might the rest of my day have been different if I had been prepared to be awed by the ordinary? If I'd prepared for the reality that God had been there before me and might have even left candy if I knew where to find it. In a wonderful essay by Lillian Daniel, she has this all too familiar, too true description of her uh, in, a, in a trustee meeting at her church. It's kind of the equivalent of our deacons meeting. And they're in this meeting, and the discussion is about the soup kitchen they run, where they feed the hungry in the community, and the discussion turns to Chili Mac. Yeah, the strange casserole that's basically macaroni and cheese with chili in it. Um, she said she about lost her mind because they spent 45 minutes talking about Chili Mac. I mean, do you buy the large cans or the small cans? Do we buy grated cheese or do we grate it ourselves? At minute 51 of the board meeting, 
Lillian finds herself contemplating her call to ministry and wondering why she did stay up all night finishing papers in divinity school. Why do we always fix Chili Mac, somebody asked at minute 52. And about that time she's ready to lose her religion. When the clerk says, can we go back to an earlier point? Did you decide on the grated cheddar cheese or to purchase a cheese grater? I need to get this right for the minutes. And Lillian says to herself, for this I spent three years in graduate school. And then one of the trustees says, I'd hate to be homeless on a cold night like this. Lillian says, and for a moment the clerk puts down his pen, the calculator is pushed aside, and everyone is silent. And I feel as if I hear God's pen making a scratchy note in the book of our cherished lives. Christ crucified and resurrected prepares us to find majesty in the ordinary, mystery in the concrete, love in the midst of feuding, and ministry of tending to the details in the midst of grated cheese. That was the moment that really was eternity Grace had broken in. It carried us soaring into minute 54. God is always present. But what if the cloud and fire become commonplace? What if God's nearness is something we need to tune our lives into every day. God is also vast, full of mystery and grandeur. And what if we took off our shoes? In the book of Exodus, five chapters devoted to getting ready. But after that serious preparation, the cloud covered the tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God is never absent. So how might our experience of God transform if we somehow become more attuned and prepared for the ways God is around us anyway and always. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.